Is your vehicle no longer stopping like it used to? Don't miss spring brake deals at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Our professional parts people will help you find the brake parts and supplies you need. Now through April 25th, get 15% off when you buy a set of Brake Best Select or Import Direct brake pads and two rotors. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit OReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This is Life Admin Life Hacks, a podcast that gives you techniques, tips, and tools to tackle your life admin more efficiently, to save your time, your money, and improve your household harmony. I'm Donna Roberts, an operations manager who developed a spreadsheet years ago to keep track of the value of my household contents. I'm Mia Northrop, a researcher and writer who loves a good list, but that room inventory list for home contents insurance is downright scary. This episode will help you calibrate your household insurances. Hello, and welcome to Life Admin Life Hacks. We're recording this episode during the pandemic stage four lockdown here in Melbourne. Everyone's travel plans are in disarray. There's lots of economic downturn and, and people are scrutinising their finances. We've also had bushfires and floods in various parts of Australia and hurricanes in listener locations across the world. 2020 has certainly given us lots of reasons to look at our insurance cover to see that we're protected and not paying too much. So when we surveyed our listeners, peace of mind just nudged out saving time and saving money in terms of importance. And insurance was voted as one of the number one aspects of life admin that people need help with. For those of the listeners that were in households, 54% said that organising insurance was up to them, 23% said it was shared, and 22% had their partner take care of it. So 77% of us need to have our heads around this aspect. And 38% of listeners said their insurance was totally sorted, but more than 58% said they're probably wasting money. For some, it's an area of confusion and they just don't get it. For those of us that are insured, it's really easy to slip into set and forget mode and let your policy tick along for years. But this really is an area of life admin where an annual review is a must. And I I didn't really think about home contents insurance as an annual review thing until we started researching this episode. And I have a lot of work to do now, Diana. I too will have a spreadsheet by the end of this exercise. I'm so proud, Mia. <laughs> I was shocked though. So in this research... More than a third of Australians don't have contents insurance, let alone, you know, the problem of underinsurance. They don't have any at all, which is a massive risk given the level of, you know, bushfires and floods and burglary that happens in various parts of the country. Yeah, and I think if, if something does happen, to have to replace everything that you're in your household, even if you have really basic items, it's a lot of money. Mm. So in this episode, we're going to talk about home and contents insurance, and we'll also touch on landlord's insurance and renter's insurance. So yes, home and contents, landlord's, rental's insurance, these are all part of household insurance, and it's that category of insurance that falls under general insurance, which is basically anything not related to life insurance. So these types of insurances help protect our property and the things we value from the financial impact of risks, whether it's weather or natural disasters, like fire or flood or storm or earthquake, or theft or accidents or, you know, losing things, damaging things. Yeah, and from a life admin perspective, you need to decide the types of risks you wish to cover and a policy with the features that you need. 
This usually requires some shopping around and good decision-making skills, which we've covered in depth in episode 33 and also when we talked about private health insurance in episode 12. So in this episode, we won't revisit those principles or steps, but we'll focus on the criteria you should be considering to compare policies and know that make sure you've got a good deal. Yeah. So house insurance is about the building. It's about the actual dwelling contents insurance, about all your possessions. And the biggest risk in this area really is the need to avoid under insurance where the value you've insured your property or belongings for doesn't actually cover the full value of the items. So for example, you might have contents insurance for all your possessions and you've got like 20 grand. But if you actually itemized and went through what you have to replace or repair those items might cost you $50,000. So if you're underassured and something happens, then you're going to have to spend a lot to get back to where you were. This can be really devastating. And I think when it comes to contents insurance, it's really easy to not realise there's a whole bunch of things that are included like pot plants, your software, maybe a a movie collection that you have, even food in your fridge if your fridge and freezer happen to die. So really thinking about all of the items in your house is important when you're trying to determine the value for your contents insurance. Especially things on your lawn or your front porch or in your backyard. So... How do you make sure you're covered adequately and that you can estimate accurately? So when it comes to contents, you've got your contents calculators and the Insurance Council of Australia links to this. When you go to get quotes from the major insurers, they've all got content calculators and we'll include them in the show notes. But these calculators ask you how many people live in your house, the gender, the age, the standard and quantity of your possessions. They'll ask you how many bedrooms and other rooms. And whether you have any special items like antiques or instruments or artwork or jewellery, and then they'll give you a dollar figure in an estimate of how much it might cost to replace those items. So that's a good starting point. And for some people, they might like feel like that's enough. But there is another way, isn't there, Diana? Well, I developed my own room-by-room inventory actually when we first moved into our current house and where I went through room by room and listed everything out in my joyous Excel spreadsheet. Um, (laughs) But you can now use those contents calculators to do something similar so you can take them as a starting point and adjust them. But uh, I guess one of my top tips is to make sure that you save the work that you do so that it makes it much easier when you come to review it. So save that in your shared cloud storage then it'll be much easier to review that year on year when you want to check that you're, whether you need to upgrade your level of insurance. Yeah, there are a lot of household inventory checklists online and they're great in terms of a template because they prompt you room by room about the items that you might own. They're good triggers where you're like, oh, yeah, I do somehow have accumulated three gaming consoles or, yeah, we all do have electric toothbrushes that aren't the $4 ones. They're all the, you know, ones. And so it it helps you be a lot more accurate. And I think this is a lesson for me, Diana, because I feel like, I don't know, I don't have a living memory of the last time I did a room by room inventory. And when I started to look at comparing insurance for this exercise, I realized, you know, since separating from my partner, we have moved a lot of furniture and possessions around and the contents insurance policy for our former family home 
is completely inaccurate now. The one I did when I moved into this place, actually, I missed a whole bunch of things. And even since then, there's been belongings going back and forth between the houses. So we really need to go do that room by room inventory. I feel a spreadsheet coming my way. (laughs) Yeah, and I think it's really easy to forget about things like clothes, for example. And I've certainly had a former colleague of mine whose house was completely cleaned out and they took all of her work clothes and work shoes. And when you think about the cost of replacing all of that, it's really important to make sure that you're adequately insured. Yeah. So when they're looking at contents insurance, they're calculating it by the basic excess that you choose, which was also news to me because I... I didn't realize you could opt for a higher excess to bring your premium down. And it's weird because I know you can do this for other types of insurance, but I just, (laughs) I don't know that. I feel like I don't promote it the same way uh, for contents. So that's something that I haven't taken advantage of before. Yeah, I always go for the highest excess. And I think that's also the advice of the barefoot investor because Mm. it really just means that it reduces your premium because you're sort of taking the part of the risk that you can afford. And I think it's really the best option for all kinds of insurances if you've got some savings. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a lot of reviews do. So they take into account the basic excess, the age of the person buying the policy and the other people on the policy, your sum insured, the level of cover you've chosen, how your home is occupied. So whether you're, it's just for residential or if there's any business stuff going on, the location, risk profile of that location is really what they're thinking about. How um, many security measures fitted to your home? So when it comes down to comparing between providers, really you're looking at the premium, the excess and the cover limits and the value of the belonging. So actually let's talk a bit more about cover limits and those specified items, Dinah. Yeah, so I think that most policies have a specified limit. Sometimes it's like $1,000 and it says that unless you specify items, they're not covered if their value exceeds that specified limit. And in addition, for some items, you can get cover for taking them outside of your home if you like. So, for example, your mobile phone or it might be some of your jewellery. And different insurers have really different approaches to that. So understanding what's important to you before you start to compare is important there. So if you know Mm. you definitely want to get insurance for your engagement ring, understanding the value and whether you're going to have to take out an additional part of the policy to cover that is really important. Yeah, this is worth poking around because if you have instruments, if any of you or your kids play instruments or you have art or jewellery or collectibles of some kind, it's really worth looking at how much you can specify for each of them or if there's a sort of an allowable cap for all of them. And, yeah, some, I was surprised, some insurers have quite generous policy features around losing belongings or damaging belongings if they're out of your house, whereas some don't cover it at all. So, yeah, mobile phones, expensive handbags, you know, whatever things, the kids are dragging iPads around. If they damage them or lose them when you're out and about, it's worth knowing what your cover is there. Yeah, and I think that's the other one is understanding whether accidental damage is covered or not covered. So, again, that's where something, if it's important to you, if someone accidentally spills something over the couch and understanding whether accidental damage is included. Yeah. And some insurers differentiate between accidental damage and accidental breakage. And this is where you, you actually <laughs> need to read those product disclosure statements and understand their definitions. And the final thing you might want to compare between providers is settlement. So how does the insurer replace them? Are you given cash? 
So you can just go and find it or do they specify how you need to replace them? And what does that process look like? Because you do hear about nightmare scenarios where people are fighting with their insurers about how claims are settled. So it's good to know what you're up for. And when you're thinking about contents insurance, if you don't own your own home and you're just renting, you might want to contemplate getting renter's insurance. So really that's just contents only insurance that's designed for tenants. The landlord's obviously responsible for insuring the building, but you really should think about covering your own items. If you're in living in a share house, something that's really important to know is that you'll need to talk to the insurer about making sure they'll cover all of you under the same policy because you can't get contents insurance that's just for your own bedroom within in a flat, for example. So that's something where you really need to talk to all of the people you're sharing the, the house with. Yeah. Another key aspect of insuring, insuring, insuring that you are properly <laughs> insured is to keep good records for insurance. So if it does come to having to claim you can understand what you had, how much it was, or just those two things really, isn't it? What you had and how much you paid. What do you do in this department, Diana? I feel like you're going to have some best practices for us. So the one practice that I've implemented for some time is that whenever I buy something like an appliance or a piece of furniture, I always just take a photo of the receipt, usually on top of any other piece of information around like the model number or the warranty or, or that kind of thing. And I keep that in my cloud storage drive in one folder that's just called receipts and warranties. So it means that I've got a, a record of all of the things that we've bought over the years, periodically clear it out for things that we've disposed of. But it's really it would be really easy for me to understand both what it was and how much I paid for it. And we did actually use that when we moved house and some things were damaged in transit and I needed to make a claim with the removalists. They damaged actually my child's swing set and I could show them how much I paid for it and we made that process of making the claim so much easier. Yeah, I have never done that for anything. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of horrified (laughs) about the task ahead of me because, yeah, we haven't photographed any of our art. You know, I've got a piano. There's all this jewellery I haven't photographed or put prices next to any of it, but it clearly needs, we should be doing this. So this is what I might be doing during the school holidays. (laughs) But it's actually a pretty quick process to take photos of things nowadays and to just save them somewhere once a year when you update your inventory. I highly recommend that as a process. But just to get into that habit of photographing receipts just makes it so much easier because often things have a 12-month warranty anyway. So if something gets breaks within the first 12 months, but it also has the added benefit of being able to be used for insurance purposes. Yeah. Okay. Oh man. New habits, new habits to adopt. All right. Let's talk about building insurance, the actual house insurance. Key things to think about here are what it might cost to replace the house if it were to burn down or flood or be sort of irreparable in some way. And I guess the key ideas is to understand if you're in a bushfire or cyclone or flood prone area and any sort of plans you need in place or property maintenance you might need to do Sometimes in those areas, they actually give you tips to find appropriate insurance. There's also, in Australia, I know that sometimes insurers talk about embargoes in insurance. Have you heard about these scenarios? Is that where you live in a flood-prone area or is that, is that what you mean? Yeah, it happens in flood-prone areas and bushfire-prone areas. And what happens is every summer 
people might not have insurance and then if a fire breaks out 50 kilometres from where you live, there can be a rush of people who suddenly think, all right, the fire's 50 kilometres away, we should get insurance right now. And some insurers often, often place embargoes to prevent people from buying insurance when there's this elevated risk and then if the disaster you know, dissipates or it doesn't play out, that they cancel it straight afterwards. Mm. So embargoes, you know, insurance companies manage their risk by having people have premiums or policies that are over a period of time. So you should be aware that if you are sort of playing that game and thinking I'm only going to, I'm only going to get the insurance if the firebreak is coming closer, then it can be actually hard to get insurance at that time. Well, that's quite interesting, Mia, because for this episode, I was researching landlord's insurance as well. And I noticed that quite a lot of the insurers at the moment are no longer providing insurance for missed rental payments (laughs) because of COVID, I guess. So more tenants are defaulting on rent payments. So at the moment, most insurers aren't offering that as an option. So I guess that's similar, similar Mm -hmm. scenario. Yeah. The, the, the more imminent the risk, <laughs> the, the more it pays to read the fine print and shop around. So obviously when you're looking at replacing a building, you've got to think about building costs and the standards. How did you approach this for getting your building insurance sorted? Well, again, I've kept this documented, but because we did a major renovation on our house when we moved in, it gave us a good basis for estimating how much it would cost to replace the whole thing because we rebuilt almost, you know, 60% of the house. So Mm. given my husband's also in construction, that made it a little bit easier. Again, we documented the assumptions we made so that if the house ever did, something did happen, we kind of know the basis that we use to develop the estimate. Yeah. And so when you're getting insurance, usually there's two types here. There's total replacement cover, which includes all the costs to rebuild your home. So that includes actually building it plus supplementary costs where, you know, you might have to pay for demolition or some temporary accommodation while you're waiting for it to be fixed or getting, you know, surveyors or architects involved. And then some policies are only some insured, which is the maximum value of the house. And it doesn't include that supplementary stuff. Total replacement policies are usually more expensive. So you just need to think about, you know, what can you afford? What makes sense for your situation and which which direction you should go in? And there, you know, there's building calculators online to estimate all this stuff as well. And most of them you put in your address and it sucks back all this data about your property. Yeah, I think that they access all the information available through, you know, real estates and and councils Mm. and things. But I actually had a colleague whose daughter left their bath running in the upstairs Mm. of their house and, like, went out and got on the phone and completely forgot about it. And the bath overflowed and actually the whole ceiling of the whole second story collapsed. They had to move out of the house for, like, six months while the house was rebuilt. And for them, it was really costly because they were underinsured and they were had some insured. So they actually had to fork out quite a lot of money to actually mm. rebuild their house. So it was a lesson for me quite early in my life to make sure that I had a you know sufficient insurance for my building. Mm. It's actually a contents equivalent of that. It's if you get replacement value or you get new for old. So some of them will be like they just give you the new version of whatever it was and some of them are replacing, you know, lost or damaged possessions with the new possessions that have a higher dollar value now. 
similarly, if you get a, a new for all cover, you might be playing a, a higher premium, but you have to have to think about that. So when it comes to the house premiums, the way they calculate them, they're looking at the level of cover you've chosen, how the home is occupied, what it's made out of, the excess, the location, if you've got any special security things attached to your home and the risk profile. So when you're comparing, again, you're looking at the premium, the excess, any exclusions, things that aren't included, any legal liability cover. So sometimes you can get cover that includes if people hurt themselves at your place. And then any extra extended cover for special things you might have going on or maximum cover limits on how much you can claim for your fancy oven or your amazing bath or whatever you've got going <laughs> on in your house. <laughs> and so there is an equivalent landlord version of this, isn't there? Yeah, so if you're a landlord, you definitely want to get cover for the building, but also for the things that you leave in your home that aren't fixed or installed. So, you know, like carpets and curtains. Obviously, tenant-owned contents need to be insured by the tenants themselves. So those are, I guess, really must-dos. But in addition, you can also opt for, you know, additional cover, including rent default, which I talked about before. And if missed rental payments would cause you financial stress, you you really might want to think about covering your, yourself for those, um, but also maybe thinking about the costs you might have if you ended up in court, which can sometimes happen in re- relation to taking action against a bad tenant. So, yeah. you know, really consider what, what you need to insure against if you have a rental property. Mm. And then, you know, there'll be many of us out there who might have a property that they rent out on Airbnb or some other short stay platform. And there are specific type of insurance that you need for that situation. So your regular house and contents insurance will not be eligible if you are renting out your place for people to stay. You know, it might be one night or one week or whatever it might be. I know Airbnb has their host guarantee, which covers a certain amount of damage to belongings and your place during the stay. But there are also particular insurers who will offer, I've used share cover in the past, and you can literally get insurance for one night and it might cost $7 or something to give you that additional peace of mind that you really are covered for any scenario where someone comes and stays the night and breaks something or damages something or steals something or leaves the bath on when they leave. Okay, okay, Mia, so I think you're just started re-looking at your insurances. So what process are you going through? Oh, well, you know, I I thought, hmm, I should probably take a look at all of this because I do feel like we're underinsured in terms of all the technology we now have in the house. So in the last year, you know, we've got laptops for home learning and working from home and there's more iPads and gaming consoles and smartwatches. And I thought, oh, yeah, this is probably an area where I need to take a look. And then when I got into it, I realized that was the tip of the iceberg. I thought, let's have a look at, you know, the comparison sites out there. There aren't any official government, you know, comprehensive comparison sites. There are ones like iSelect and Compare the Market, which are all paid ones where you're not seeing the full range and you're, and they're getting paid to advertise. So I went to Choice, the Choice magazine. They don't get paid to compare different products. But I went and my current insurer had one of the lowest ratings on the list. And I've we've been with them for 15 years perhaps. <laughs> they have our car insurance. They have our house, our contents for all of our properties. So now, you know, there's the 
the former family home, my new place and our holiday house. And I realized, okay, we are not with an insurer who is known for good policies. They've got all sorts of, they just have updated what's in like their features compared to some of the others. Then I realized, okay, we have a different inventory on our, on the various homes and they're not really reflecting what's actually in the homes anymore. And then I realized also that we haven't opted for the higher excess with any of our policies. So we're paying much higher premiums than we should be. And I started to think, oh my God, I might actually investigate an insurance broker. Uh, insurance brokers are free. They obviously earn commission from whichever provider they go with, but you can contact them through the insurance Council of Australia, and we'll put a link to them in the show notes. Or you can ask your accountant or financial planner if they'd recommend one. So I'm actually going to do that. I'm going to contact the accountant and financial planner and see if they can get it worthwhile and whether they can recommend someone because, yeah, we need to update three policies ASAP. <laughs> yep. And I just think I had, when I looked at my old policy, I, th- I think it, it's replacement value. It's not new for old. So if things die, you know, if our 15-year-old KitchenAid falls on the floor and smashes into a bazillion pieces, I don't know, I'm just making this up, they'll give you the value of the 15-year-old version of the KitchenAid, not what they're currently going for. So, yeah, I need to redo all of my insurance, do full inventories. That's probably going to be my next week. How about you, Dine? Well, I think it's my financial background, but I've always been kind of on top of this. <laughs> so, as I uh, mentioned, there's, there's training and there's temperament. I feel <laughs> like there's a few aspects that might play into your organisation here. So, as I mentioned in my shared drive, I have my spreadsheet, which has calculated out how I've determined the value of our contents, which were insured, and also a spreadsheet which calculated how we determined the rebuild costs of our house. And as I said, I've also got the folder that's got photographs of the warranties and receipts for all the major purchases. But I haven't really taken photos around the house recently, so that is something that I might do quickly and just quickly add that to the same folder. Every year I always compare. So as soon as Mm. the premium increase comes in, as a minimum, I always just call the current insurer and just check whether I've, you know, whether I've got the best deal. And usually I always call at least one other. The last couple of years, I've just called the other insurer that I have my car insurance with, just so that I check that we're not being ripped off, so to speak. And I haven't switched for a couple of years, but I'm pretty confident that we've got an okay deal. Um, And as I mentioned, I always go for the highest excess But I've never actually looked at choice to see whether maybe I should be looking at some different insurers. So that's a really good idea. So that's what I'll do next year when the premium increase comes in. I also have saved in my Google Drive the certificate of insurance, but also all of the premiums from the last couple of years. So I can quickly see how much the premiums have gone up because that's also kind of an indicator, I think, if premiums have jumped up a lot a few years in a row that's a really good time to to shop around yeah okay so when you might do this is when you get that renewal date for existing if you've got existing policies and you get the renewal communication you might want to have a little look what's happening but there are a few other triggers for renewing or taking out insurance so obviously if you move house if you buy a house if you renovate your house or you made you know upgrade major appliances this is when you need to start thinking about what it might cost to replace or repair them. If you've made any major purchases about, you know, expensive furniture or backyard equipment or art or instruments or technology, 
That's also the trigger. If you have kids, suddenly you've got all their furniture, all their toys, all their clothes, all their tech, and they can accumulate. It can accumulate pretty quickly. Other triggers to renewing your home and contents insurance might be if you start your own business. So really making sure that you've got adequate cover because you're exposed to more risk relating to your business or if you take out a loan. So again, really reconsidering your risk when you're exposing yourself to different risks. And also if you change your home loan provider, they will ask for a certificate of your insurance. So it's also a good opportunity to at least ask for when you ring your insurer to ask for the certificate of insurance, just check in to make sure that you're getting the best deal. Diana, this was an episode where I just thought it was going to be smooth and we'll find some criteria for comparison. I didn't, it was a can of worms. I have opened a total can of worms, but I'm glad that I have because if something did happen to one of these properties, we are completely underinsured. So I'm glad we've taken this uh, the decision to, to investigate this. Well, I'm glad that this episode's been helpful for you too, Mayor, and that some of <laughs> these hacks... Listeners get the value. Yeah. <laughs> I certainly have. So maybe these are my top hacks that make sure you review your cover regularly. And even if you don't want to shop around, just check that you've got, you're not underinsured. Save the your contents inventory and your building estimation on your cloud storage drive so you can easily review it and update it on a regular basis without having to reinvent the wheel. And if you don't have time to compare, why not just try calling your current insurer, seeing if you could increase your excess or telling them you're shopping around and see if they can give you a better deal. If you'd like to join us on our Life Admin journey, please head to our Facebook page, Life Admin Life Hacks, to follow us and share your thoughts on what we're doing. And feel free to post any comments or certainly post suggestions that we might be able to use. We hope to see you there. Thanks for listening. Show notes for this episode are available at lifeadminlifehacks.com. If you're a fan, please subscribe and share the love and tell a friend or review us in your podcasting app.